Owen for leading us and the musicians. And wasn't it great to have Marley uh, go through the whole Easter story for us? I have to be honest, and Elijah's prayer, that was spectacular, Elijah. When I, Elijah struggles with his voice, I want you to continue to pray for Elijah's voice so that uh, he gets more ability to speak. And it was a beautiful prayer. And one of the things that uh, struck me in that prayer was the, the importance that you brought out in praying. And one of the things that has really struck me recently is that the hope for our church is rooted in how we pray. You know, we are a people who don't depend on our own strength, our own abilities. We, we depend on a God who answers prayer. And so we need to be a people of prayer. And thank you, Father, for that. I was really um, thankful, too, for Maori to bring out the... Um, the whole of the Easter story, because I've really wrestled with this talk. Um, and I've wrestled with this talk because I've asked God, you know, to, to have a story or a, a talk that brings out the Easter story. But it's not, as you, you listen to Toby, you might have realized it's not a very typical Easter message. Galatians chapter 4, 1 to 7 is not a typical Easter talk. It's not a typical Easter text. But I'll tell you why I chose it and why it was in my heart to choose. It's for this little word here. Now, one day I was talking to Angela, and we were talking about learning types. So some of you are great with writing. Some of you are more visual in how you learn. And some of you, I think there's this thing where you do it. When I was uh, playing rugby, and I was never that good at rugby, but the, the coach would ex he would explain what to do. And I could not, for the life of me, figure it out. There would be a move until we did it. When we put it into practice, then once it was in, it was there forever. don't know if that is you. But this morning, what I've done is I've tried to put a PowerPoint together for the visual learners. And these are my introduction, my conclusion, and my three points, and I'll explain it. But there's a reason that I chose this text for Easter. And the reason I chose this text for Easter, Galatians chapter 4, 1 to 7, is because of that little word there. And that's a Greek word, and it is henna. Is that right, Jacob? Hina, henna. And it literally means in order that, okay? And the reason is it's in order that. So what we hear in this text, in the middle of this passage, is that Paul... He says that Jesus came to redeem us. That means to pay for our guilt. And, and then in order that, that little word there, henna, in order that we might become sons of God. Okay, and I'll unpack those words in a minute. In other words, one of the things that motivated God to have the whole Easter story with the death and the resurrection of Jesus the purpose behind it was that you and I could know the privilege of becoming children of God. It was motivated in love. Look at Good Friday, look at Easter or Resurrection Sunday, and what motivated it? Love motivated it. Listen to Marie and this whole story that she's right goes right back to the beginning of the Bible and works its whole way what motivated in love. The, the most famous verse in the Bible used to be John 3.16. I'm not sure what is now. For God so loved the world. People like you and me that he sent his son. 
That's what motivated Easter. That's what I want to pick out. But looking at this passage about this, I want to begin by seeing this. Now, I sat at the back there where Tom is, and I realized it might be a little bit hard to see. But can you see what's there? There's a mountain. And the reason I did this was because even last week, a friend said to me in a cafe that she believed that all religions are basically like a mountain. There's different paths, and you get to the same end. The problem with that is that that's the exact opposite of what Christianity teaches. Every other religion in the world is about what you do, there's a little path there, to make your way to the top. And you'll never really know if you've got there. But Easter tells us that we couldn't make our way to the top of the mountain, but God came down. God came down in the person of Jesus. He saw us lost. He saw us not even wanting to go up to the top of the mountain, and he came down for us. He sent his son into the world for a people who had our backs turned on him. He did it all. And so other religions might be about making your way to the top of the mountain. Christianity is completely different. It's about God coming down the mountain to rescue a people who did not know the way. Jesus says at one stage, I am the, that singular, way, truth, and light. No one can come to the Father but by me. In fact, yesterday as I was going over the sermon, one of the pictures I thought about was in the book of Exodus. And remember, Marie was talking about the book of Exodus. And there's a picture there of a mountain. Moses goes up a mountain to God, but the people are at the scared to go. They're not allowed to go because we're sinful and God is holy. So we couldn't even go up the mountain, even if we tried. So I want you to Christianity is different from every other belief system in the world. It is about a God who does it all for us. Christianity is not what we do for God, working your way up some mountain. It's what God has done for us. So think about the words from the cross. My favorite words from Good Friday are these, where Jesus says, as he's about to die, it is finished. You know the consequence of it being finished? It means that it's complete. It's done. I have nothing to add. That I have nothing to give. Christianity is not about what I offer God, but receiving what God has offered me. Now, the first thing uh, that I want to pick up in our passage in verse 1 to 3 is this. I, I found this little picture. It says, am I a good person doing bad things or a bad person doing good things? Okay, that's a, a dilemma that we all have. The truth of the matter is, however you look at that question, we all see that there's a problem in our hearts, don't we? Like, I don't just fail God's standards. I fail my standards. I don't just fail God's rules, I fail my rules for living. And that's what's picked up in these first three verses. Galatians is quite difficult at times. He has a number of pictures that are hard to get your head around, but in the first three verses, what he's talking about is a picture, I think, of an heir 
So this young man was about to inherit, but his father dies. And what would happen in that situation is that one of the servants of the house would discipline him and teach him until he's ready to inherit. But he hasn't got it all yet. And and what Paul is saying, and, and stick with me if this feels a bit complicated, but he's saying, see all those laws in the Old Testament? They were like that. They were pointing you in a direction. And that direction was that you would cry out to God for mercy because you would see that you failed to live the way God had called us to live. And ultimately, they were pointing you to Jesus, who was the one who enables us to be forgiven. And so they were like this slave, getting the child ready until the day of his inheritance. And Jesus has come, and we have an inheritance now. And there's a very interesting phrase in this, And it's a bit of a confusing phrase, but it says, under the basic principles of the world. When we lived, end of verse 3, under the basic principles of the world. And I think that that what that is saying is that the world has a way of thinking when it comes to religion. And the basic principle of the world in every other religion is this. It's about what I do for God, not what God has done for me. And so if you talk to one of your friends and you say, why do you think you would go to heaven? I've told you this before. You know the answer they're going to give because I'm a good person. Of course, then you you go, but what about this, that, and the other in your life that's not good? And and we come up with our excuses. We try to justify ourselves. That's the basic principle of the world. That's the way the world thinks. But Easter is about God coming for people who know they have blown it. Easter is about a people who know not that I'm a good person, but I fail not only God's perfect standards, but my perfect standards. Easter is about the best gift that God could ever give his own son to a people not who had done anything to deserve it, but to a people who hadn't even looked to him in the first place. That's the difference between Christianity and every other belief system. That's the first thing I want to say. And then we get to the second bit. This is a picture of adoption. I typed into my computer, adoption, a beautiful thing. And and the, 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 the middle part of this talks about God who redeemed us. That meant to redeem something is to buy it back, to pay a price, What was the price that God paid that we could become children of God? The death of his own son. He paid that. That's what Easter's about. Jesus paying a price that we couldn't pay for ourselves. But why did he do that? If we weren't deserving of God's love, why would he do it? Because it's his nature to love. It's his nature to love, and it's his nature. That's where the little so that comes in. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, that's Christmas, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that's Easter. That we, literally, so that, it's that little word, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now, just before you get cross with me for not being politically correct, Sons in the Bible didn't mean 
for us that this is only for the men. But in that culture, the son had a privileged position. And what God is saying through his word is that I gave my son at Easter time so that you might have the privileged position of being a son of God. The privileged position, the one who has an inheritance, who is security. And I thought about this a lot. You see, if you think about it, sometimes the way we talk about the gospel, we emphasize rightly that God forgives us. That's what Easter's about. Jesus taking the punishment that we owe so that we could be forgiven. But so that tells us that it's even more than forgiveness. So that tells us that Jesus not only let us out of prison, but he wanted to bring us home. Does does that make sense? If you know what I mean, like someone could come and go into the prison and say, your debts are paid, you can go free, and wouldn't that be wonderful? But what if that person said, and now you're coming home to eat at my table, to be secure, to be loved? That's what it is. It's better than forgiveness. There's a theologian by the name of J.I. Packer. He says this, to be forgiven by God and justified, which means to stand as if my sin is dealt with, is a great thing. But to be brought home and adopted is far better, isn't it? It's motivated by love. Easter, why did he do it? Because so that we could become adopted children of God, which brings me to the last thing, the Word and the Spirit. You see, right at the end, it says this, because you are sons, God put the Spirit of the Son in your hearts that you would cry out, Abba, Father. The funny thing is that Easter is not the end of the story. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, and when I go away, I'm going to give you another comforter. That was the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, because Jesus rose from the dead, I should tell you, I was walking to church this morning, and uh, I met this man, uh, and I thought, I better say something. And I said, Happy Easter. He's an older man. He says, Happy Easter. I said, Christ is risen. And he says, I hope so. I think he was on his way to Mass, too, so, you know, I felt like walking a bit further with him, just saying, I hope, you know, but anyway. But I want to say, this is a historical fact. I'd invite you to, because everything depends on the resurrection. And I read in a book somewhere where they, they, they said, they made this astonishing claim, they made the astonishing claim that the resurrection of Jesus is the best attested fact of ancient Near East history. Now, go and look that up yourself. Even Mary there, where she was telling the kids, think about the empty tomb. Think about the other explanations. Think of the change that happened those disciples. But here's the thing. The reason those disciples changed and why you see these self-professed cowards in the Gospels become, in the book of Acts, courageous evangelists is because the risen Jesus did rise, and when he rose, he poured out the Holy Spirit that changed us. And one of the questions you might have when you look at this is, hold on a sec, if I'm a bad person who's 
accepted by God, and it's not about what I do for him, but what he's done for me, does that mean I never change? Does that mean I can just go along as I was before? And and Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's this great preacher, said, if people don't ask you that question, you actually haven't explained the gospel to them. You haven't explained how radical it is. In in the beginning of Romans chapter 6, having explained the gospel, that's the question he puts in his hearers' minds. But then can't I just do what I want? And the reason you don't is because God has given us the Holy Spirit and one of the evidences that we're alive in Christ and he is in us and that he is risen is that he causes us to want to change and he causes us to change. And then just the last thing before I finish. Look, he says this. Uh, you also have been made an heir. And that was really exciting um, to look at that verse because what happened in that world, and my apologies, that world was a sexist world, and, and Paul is picking up pictures, the Apostle Paul, from that world. He's not saying this was the right way to do it, but he picks up a picture from that world, and in that world... If a man had no son for his impertinence to pass through, he would adopt one. And that son who was adopted would receive the inheritance. But here's the exciting thing. God who gives us an inheritance, God who makes us sons and heirs, he already had a son. He didn't need an heir. He didn't need to adopt an heir. He already had a son. So why did he do it? What motivated Easter? What motivated the cross? Why the resurrection? Why the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost? Because he loved. He loved broken, sinful people like you and me who had no ability or even desire to go up that mountain to be with him. He came down for us in love to rescue us. And he does it motivated because he loves you and he likes you. And he's glad to have you in his family. Now, do you know who this is? Brendan O'Connor. Okay, this is, so this sums up my Easter message. A number of years ago, Brendan O'Connor had a famous abbot on his television program, uh, Saturday Night with Brendan O'Connor. And Brendan O'Connor said this, uh, he said it to the abbot who, who ran a big abbey. He said, supposing it's all true and there is a heaven, how will we get there? And the, and the abbot came back and he said, it's about love. He said, you know, if you're a loving person, you're in. And it sounded good. I I think it actually put a smile on on Brendan's face. But I I thought, that does not sound like good news, and it doesn't sound like the gospel to me. And I actually wrote to Brendan. He never wrote back, but like I'm sure he gets loads of letters. But I wrote to him, and I said, look, I know that that sounded good, but that is not good news. And I'll tell you why it's not good news. Because if getting into heaven is based on how loving I am, how will I ever know if I'm loving enough? Because I look at my heart and I fail people regularly in love. 
And, and then the second question is, if, if Brendan, if it's about how loving I am, what's the, what's the standard of love? Because when Jesus, the man of love, came down, what did he say the standard of love was? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And that law condemns me. I can't do it. But supposing, and this is the message of Easter, supposing, Brendan, it's not about the love that we give, but the love that's offered to us. Supposing it's the love we receive. Supposing it's different than any other I'm a good person type of religion. And it's about receiving the love that's shown on the cross. Receiving the love of a risen Savior. Isn't that better news? And isn't that news that will change me? Because the truth of the matter is, if I've got to prove myself to God, I will never be motivated by love. I'll always be motivated by fear. But if I'm already secure that Jesus said on that cross on the first Good Friday, it is finished. If he has done it all, then I'm free to be changed because I'm not a slave, I'm an adopted child who's dearly loved. And so why Easter? Why Good Friday? Why this story? Why Jesus? Why the cross? Why the resurrection? Why did he do it? In order that we might be called sons of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we come before you, and we can't even begin a journey towards you. We come before you, and we fail not just your perfect holy standards, but our weak standards. We come before you, and we need forgiveness. And Father, I pray this Easter, as we look at Good Friday at the cross, and we think of the the confirmation of that work as Jesus is raised from the dead, that we would see that he did it to accept us, that he said it's finished and we can be secure, that he did it so that we would be loved and secure and accepted. And I know personally that following Jesus isn't always easy and it's not always without its doubts and struggles doesn't make all our problems disappear, but there is a God who loves us and is patient with us as we seek to be with our children. And I pray that each of us here would know him. And I invite you to ask him to be your adopted father and to become a beloved child. And if that is true of you, I pray that you would keep preaching this message to yourself every day, even as we share the bread and wine now.